0: This is the waves. This This is is the the waves. waves. This is the waves. This is the waves. This is the waves. This is the
1: waves. Welcome to The Waves, Slate's podcast about gender, feminism, and this week, Below Deck. Every episode, you get a new pair of feminists to talk about the thing we can't get off our minds. And today, you've got me, Susan Matthews, Slate's news director and the editorial director of this podcast.
2: And me, Shayna Roth, Slate podcast producer for shows that includes this one.
1: And today, Shana and I are going to be interviewing Rachel Hargrove from Below Deck about reality television, the yachting industry, being a chef and being a woman at the same time as all those other things. So Shayna, when you first had the idea to book Chef Rachel on the show, I was essentially just like taken aback by your brilliance. Um, (laughs) For me, Below Deck was a major quarantine binge. My boyfriend started watching it in April of 2020 and watched like an entire season in two days and then was like, you have to start watching this show with me. And I think that I got into it because it has provided a set of really attractive things for this moment. I always describe it to people as a workplace drama, which is something that I was immediately missing when, like, offices were no longer a thing. And then it also takes place in, like, the claustrophobic quarters of a yacht, which felt very relatable at a time that we were all stuck in our homes. And I think that the other thing that was really attractive about it, though, was that it was also in these exotic, beautiful locations. So you felt like you got to travel a little bit, too. So I started binging the seasons and then we got to a very memorable season, which is going to be the subject of our show today, which aired about a year after the pandemic had started, and it was the one in which like, reality television caught up to reality. So it was the season that ended with the yacht season being being shut down because of the coronavirus. And one of the characters on that season, one of the people on that season, it's reality TV, was the chef, Rachel Hargrove, whose arc over the series was just one of my favorites of all time. And we will get into that more when we bring her on. But Shana, why did you want to talk about this show?
2: So, This is something I generally can't stop thinking about whenever there is a Below Deck season out. But I first started it really when it came out. I was an early comer to Below Deck. I watched the first season. I fell in love with it. And I love that it's sort of a more modern, more boozy, horny, Downton Abbey kind of a thing, but with real people. (laughs) Because you have that whole upstairs-downstairs dynamic playing out. And at the time when I first started watching it, I convinced my then boyfriend, now husband, to watch it with me. And it has really become a total staple for us to watch it together. And every time a new season is out, it it becomes our show. So when I saw that the new season of the original Below Deck was coming out, I got excited. Because every time I watch this series, I'm a little surprised that this show keeps getting made. They have had a lot of problematic men on the show in the past, to the point where one guy was basically just cut out in the editing room from the show because he had racist and sexist social media posts. But not only that, the roles historically have been divided along very sexist lines, with deck crew being men, interior stews, as they're called, being women, and the chefs and captains usually being men. And this is something that has slowly improved over the years. There's been Captain Sandy Yawn on Below Deck Med. On that same series, there's a female bosun now. There have been some male stews and female deckies, but there's still very clear gender divides in yachting. And that is why when I saw that the original Below Deck was coming back this week and that the fantastic chef Rachel Hargrove would be coming back, I knew I wanted to get into these issues and more with her.
1: And we're going to get into all of that and more Uh, in our conversation with Chef Rachel just after the break. Thank you so much for listening. I wanted to take a second and welcome all of our new listeners and our old ones, too. We haven't forgotten about you. If you're loving the show and want to hear more, subscribe to our feed. New episodes come out every Thursday morning. And while you're there, check out our other episodes, too, like last week's episode, where Slate's Rebecca Onion and As She Rises podcaster Grace Lynch talked about the impacts of climate change on women. I have a special announcement for you today. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Slate, and for a limited time only, we're offering our annual Slate Plus membership for $25 off. As a Slate Plus member, you'll get no ads on any of our podcasts, unlimited reading on the Slate site, and member-exclusive episodes and segments from shows like The Waves and other shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, and The Political Gap Fest. For the past quarter century, Slate podcasts have been covering all the major news events from elections to social issues to historic court decisions. We've brought you great shows like Slow Burn, and our culture shows have debated if things are sexist, named the best summer songs, and explained the latest TikTok trends. If we've become a part of your listening routine, we ask that you support our work by joining Slate Plus. Sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash the plus to keep us going for another 25 years. Again, we're giving you $25 off in annual membership through October 31st. So sign up now at slate.com slash plus. Hello, and welcome back to The Waves, where Shana and I are thrilled to welcome Chef Rachel Hargrove. Chef Rachel, welcome. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to be talking to you. We wanted to start by talking about just reality television generally. You're now best known for Below Deck, but we also know that you were on an early season of America's Next Top Model. The world of reality TV is very different now than it was in 2005. Can you tell us a little bit just about the differences between that experience and what you've experienced more recently with Below Deck?
3: Well, just that experience alone. I mean, well, it's like apples to oranges. It really is. It's completely different. was fascinating is that below deck, the whole production of it is pretty custom. Um, everything from the actual cameras, everything is done just for the sole purpose of being in these small confined spaces. So that just alone is completely different. But back in the day, you didn't have like the social media, you didn't have like the Facebook, all of that. So that, that wasn't there, you know, you didn't have the platforms to go on. So it was just kind of like, Hey, I'm going to be on UPN. And, and, you know, some people are going to see me and some people aren't for me. It was, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, this is funny. They asked me to be on a show. They're stupid. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but it is very different. incredibly So just even from that aspect, you know,
1: can you tell us a little bit more about what made you want to go on Below Deck originally? Were you a fan of the show before you were on it?
3: I had I had seen the show. I actually have a funny story. It was Kate and I, we were actually working on a boat together. And that's when Below Deck first came out and it aired. It was its first season many, many moons ago. Kate Chastain, uh, the BDOG Chief, uh, Chief Stew, her and I, we, we watched the first season, um, and we kind of laughed about it. We were like, oh, my God, we can't believe they made a show. You know, this is our life. Actually, it was a lot. I would say it was more fun, our, real, our reality with the show, opposed to that, because it, com- it was completely different. Our boss was watching it. And she was a big fan of it. She made a joke. She was just like, you guys should be on the show. And I was like, what? But we have, we have so many different contracts for certain boat programs that you can't. You know, there's anonymity. And uh, we got a call from casting and we didn't know who or why, or, but we both got a call from casting at the exact same time. And she ended up going to do the show. And it was hilarious. And I was like, what? That's amazing. I had, I had been approached multiple times. And then I was at a point in my career, in my life, actually, where I had time to go and do it. And I was starting up my own Ayurvedic nutritional practice uh, as a private chef, so that was kind of what was transpiring. And I was like, "Oh, this might be fun." The rest is history.
2: It's so interesting that you were approached so early on in the series to be a chef on Below Deck because, as Susan and I have talked about before, I mean, you're you're really like the first female chef that like stayed consistently throughout the whole season, and there haven't really been female chefs. Is that emblematic of
3: the yachting industry? And what was it like to go into this show? I mean, back in the day, you didn't see a lot of female chefs in this industry, period. Uh, And it's great. It's blown up so much. There's so many female chefs in the industry now in yachting. And it's amazing to see and they're actually holding their own and they're very successful they're not just chefs on certain yachts that are a certain size now you see the executive chefs on the 60 meter pluses and and you know they've got crew under them and it's just it's amazing to see uh we're right now in the epicenter of it we're in Fort Lauderdale and it's great just to kind of walk around and see everybody and catch up but there's so many, so many chefs that are coming out female wise. So it was, it was, a, it was an honor to, to be the first female to stay. Um, there's been, you know, quite a few before me that have been in the galley. <laughs> and then the last previous with the sail yacht, you know, Natasha, that was great to see her, but it, it was great to be asked back as well. So I was like, Oh, this is going to be so much fun this year because we already know what COVID has to offer. <laughs>
2: On your first season, there were a few times where you got upset. The most infamous was over and let's call it over-the-top preference sheet that caused you to walk off the boat for a short period of time. And here is a clip from what happened there. He wants a large breakfast. He expects meat, pastries,
1: along with a giant fruit bowl, cream and caviar, seafood scallops, filet mignon, top of crab meat, wild boar, authentic New Orleans cuisine, Maine lobster feast, American fine dining, Spanish, not Mexican. The Viva La france theme party with an elaborate 10-course dinner. Well, patience turns. Moving later on.
3: Eat my kidder.
1: Whoa. That's
3: funny. That's disgusting. That's despicable. You pay the $16,000 a month for me to be your private chef in Monaco. Then we'll talk. Until then, I don't play that game. So no, I like the flight home. Enjoy it. I'll start packing now. What? I'm sorry, but the ostentatious bullshit, and then they tax that on one chef. Suck my.
1: Well, why don't we talk to them and see if they're as, as ostentatious as they appear to be on paper? Yourself. I'd rather not do that.
3: I love you. Mm. And I'm glad. I respect you guys, but that bullshit. I'm out.
2: What was the feedback you got from that, especially on social media? And do you think that the reaction would have been different if you were a man?
3: Um, I don't think I would have gotten half of it. That's for sure. I think people would have been so brave with the death threats, too, that I did get, Uh, wishing that they wanted my friends and family to die of covid for my boyfriend to leave me who has, you know, who actually is Italian. And we did have friends with family who died within 48 hours of each other uh, while I was filming. So I think that was quite interesting, their approach, but you know, and then if you watch the footage, actually, I don't tell captain Lee to fuck off uh, or go fuck himself. Correct. I'm telling the preference sheet and production to go fuck themselves. They love me. I'm sure they're going to be so stoked to hear me say this on this podcast, which they know. Cause I still do this day. Um, they're like, can you do this for me? Fuck you, no. <laughs> you want reality? I'm giving it to you. <laughs> Come on, let's go for. <laughs> I want two more Emmy nominations on season nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no. But um, it, I got a lot of interesting backlash, you know. And I think that I wouldn't have accrued it if I was a male. Um, it was really interesting because I know male chefs in kitchens. And female chefs in kitchens and restaurants, we all pretty much talk the same. You know, we all have like, get out of my face. We need to get this done. This is important. Stop dawdling. You know, this is what we need to get done. And you're taken seriously in that, that regard on boats. Um, captain, chief officer, engineer, uh, executive chef, we're treated with respect. You know, if we ask for something, we, we get it. We're all colorful. We're all sailors. You know, some of us have different approaches with each other, sarcasm. But it was—I did get a lot of little extra stuff, I think. And unfortunately, you know, I think that um, it did have to do with being a female.
2: Were a lot of the the death threats, the the shitty comments, were they mostly from men, and were they aimed at? I guess were they coded female? Were they you know derogatory in a female specific way? Oh no, this is all women.
3: I had a couple, I had a couple guys, you know, that were just, you could tell when they were like writing something or you looked at, I love what I do is I like to look at their stuff too. And then it makes me chuckle. And then, cause then like, cause Cass Lee taught me how to do that. He's like, when you get hate mail, he's like, Oh, look at their profiles. Look how many followers you have and look how many they have. And then just feel sorry for them. And I was like, got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just like, Oh man, I got 40,000 this week. Look at that. It's gonna suck when I repost all your stuff. <laughs> I would screenshot everything that they wrote me, and I would put it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, wherever, you know. And then I'd show their actual private account. So I felt that I would have never have researched them out to harass them and tell them all the wonderful things that they told me because uh, I don't know who they are. So, but they felt very comfortable to do it to me, even though I'm a perfect stranger. So I felt that we should all get to know each other. Uh, and that they, they should have some extra followers too, and they should be privy to uh, you know, other people's opinions as well.
1: So one of the things that was so intense about your season was the fact that when it was airing finally, when we saw it, we knew what was happening COVID-wise, like we knew the escalating timeline. I was wondering, you watched it, it sounded like you had really awful experiences with COVID that weren't even featured on on the show. When you watched it, how did it feel to watch yourself have those realizations in real time, you know, a year after the fact?
3: Oh, by the time the show was actually airing, <laughs> I don't like things very easy in my life, apparently. Um, I was living in Italy and we were in Zona Rosa, Zona rancha. So we were absolutely locked down uh, and I sailed, I was repatriated back to the US and then I sailed for over 21 days for the first leg of the trip at sea uh and then finished up for about over a month it was from point A to our final destination so i was i was in the thick of it uh in italy during covid so everything just still was going like it wasn't even like a recap or i call it the recrap it, it was like still in the middle of it and the only way i found myself getting out of that situation was when i left to go film my second season that was when I finally left Italy. So it was it was all surreal until I got back on U.S. soil just in April.
1: We're going to take a break here, but if you're enjoying The Waves, we would love it if you would like and subscribe to The Waves wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear more from this
2: interview, tune into our Plus segment, where Rachel talks about what it's like behind the scenes and shares her thoughts on the upcoming season, which premieres on October 25th.
1: Hi, welcome back to The Waves, where Shana and I are here with Chef Rachel Hargrove from Below Deck. We wanted to talk to you a little bit about yachting in general as an industry and the fact that there are stews and deckhands. And while it's not a complete gender split, there are women who are deckhands and men who are stews. It's definitely true that the stews are usually women and the deckies are usually men. And so we just were hoping that you could tell us a little bit more about what that is like. It seems to me really unique. It seems different than even a normal kitchen would be um, split along gender lines. And I was just curious to hear you talk about what you think about the yachting industry in general, and if you think it affects the work at all.
3: Okay. Thank you for asking a question like this, because most of the time when I'm interviewed, everybody wants to know about The dynamics of the show the characters how we play out you know all of this stuff but the one thing that everyone seems to forget is this is actually a real industry so i i want to thank you for for bringing that up because it really is fascinating And, and if it wasn't we wouldn't have such a hit tv show now when it comes down to the breakdown of uh departments uh consistently a generalization that we think of what gender is each role on the boat uh you know you've got your deck department exterior which is predominantly male you have your interior which is predominantly female you know your bridge which is the captain first officer your officers uh, you know have a tendency to be males uh engineering department predominantly males um but i have seen female captains i've worked for female captains um i have worked with female engineers who are amazing uh i've worked with a lot of female deck hands and first officers and uh, i've worked with males in the interior they're hilarious sometimes and the ones that i have worked with the males that are in the interior they are uh, how would i put it they are more interested in their own gender (laughs) opposed to the other side. (laughs) So they bring the sass there. I think they're sassier than the girls I work with sometimes. Um, no, but, uh, no, we've had, I've watched this industry grow, um, ethically it's taken on a different role. I think it's presented positions to people that were more qualified opposed to, um, gender or ethnicity. Um, I'm seeing a lot of growth and development in that aspect as well, too, when it comes to the most random thing, ethnicity, you know, um, depending on the where you're at and cruising, you know, people in South America that have yachts in South America, uh, or feel safe to have them there <laughs> um, uh, without some government coup taking them off the dock, uh, you know, they're from South America. Uh, You feel comfortable being surrounded by people from your own, you know, culture, which I've seen a lot, but it is becoming more open-minded. And uh, I'm I'm excited about seeing that because it's fair and it should be that way. So uh, progression-wise, I'm proud of the industry growing.
2: Talk about the difference that it makes to have sort of those gender roles, I guess you could say flipped. How different is it to have like a female captain and a female bosun and some men in the interior versus when they sort of fit those stereotypical
3: roles? Or does it not really make a difference? It doesn't. Uh, I've never never seen the difference. I don't feel the difference having those roles switched, you know, at all. Working with a male steward, you know, they've been in service probably just as long as the, the next, you know, and they have a love and passion for it where they're very artistic and they love table settings and they have an eye for detail and are meticulous and or have a wonderful wealth knowledge of cuisine and wine pairing and cocktails, you know. So it's I've never, ever felt the difference between one or the other. I, if you blindfolded me or just kept me trapped in that galley, I wouldn't know the difference at all. Unless somebody was complaining about somebody and for some reason, deep down, they had a problem with it. Other than that, I would never even notice it.
2: One thing we wanted to get at is you are working for incredibly rich people for the most part. What is that like? Have your feelings about that evolved at all over the years of working in this industry? Um. Well, when you
3: work for that 1%, it's very, very... It's, I don't know. The expectations are changed. Like, you know, it really is like that one percent that can't afford that capacity of service or that detail to be paid attention to from having a table that costs two million dollars in your yacht. That's more than most people's homes you know what I mean so and then the yacht itself alone I mean it's just ridiculous it's crazy it's unfathomable it's not ridiculous as that. it's a bad thing it's just unfathomable if you don't have that bank account you know I've actually worked for some wonderful billionaires who are amazing uh, very good demeanor very good heart very intelligent individuals very respectful of other people and I've worked for some assholes but you know what I mean <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> You know, but money cannot buy happiness. So as a chef, it's a very
2: male dominated industry. And then you go into the yachting industry, which is also historically male dominated. What made you want to become a chef and then specifically a yacht chef?
3: I loved being in the kitchen. I could always banter with my kitchen creatures. I'm allowed to say that because I am a glorified kitchen creature. Uh, (laughs) The only (laughs) difference is I sold my soul to the devil and I work on a (laughs) yacht. The only difference. Um, But... I never looked at it as male or female. My family was really amazing. They just kind of said you go and do whatever you want to be whenever you want to do it. Just don't be a dick. And if you're going to be a dick, be a very good dick. <laughs> you know? um, but I had, it was really hard to say, yeah, I've been around some misogynistic people. I've been around some, some idiots. But I mean, I've watched them use something so simple as You know, my gender as a strike against me is something for them to open up an argument base with me. But then I've turned around and watched them use somebody's ethnicity to do the exact same thing to them. So I'm just like, oh, you're just looking for an excuse to be a douche. Okay, cool. Well, get creative because this is self-evident,
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hate me for me,
3: not my titties. You know? <laughs> but um no, but I actually really loved the challenge, and I had so much fun in the kitchen, and I loved working with everybody. And it was just like I kind of like was like the little sister sometimes too. Everyone just gave me shit, and you know, like oh, that's not how you for your knife, or you don't know how to chop. You know, giving me junk and joking around with me. But I really haven't had anybody go after me, or I just haven't noticed it because I just knew that they were idiots. So. But in the industry of the yacht standard, it was such a challenge because it was no longer just cooking food anymore. It was cooking it to a capacity that it was, you know, to the creme de la creme, you know? And it was like, these people have discerning palates. Here's the challenge. Now let's throw in different languages and different regions and different ports and the ability of learning how to adapt situational every time you travel. So that's what was so appealing to me because it just pushed me to the brink of of destruction, you know, and then scoop it all back up again and put myself back together and go out there and attack the next, you know. But um, yeah, I don't think I ever really had a problem with me being a female because I just didn't see it. And I'm I'm a little rough around the edges and a lot of people are scared as shit of me. So it works. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not gonna mess with her. I'm not gonna poke the bear. <laughs> like, she makes my food, and she's got a twitchy eye, and I'm a little worried about
2: that. <laughs> we got like a couple minutes left. Is there anything that you don't usually get to talk about that you'd like to talk about?
3: The biggest thing for me is anybody listening to this that has a curiosity about joining yachting or feels like age discrimination or size discrimination, gender, ethnicity screw that throw it by the wayside ignore it step over it do whatever you want to do in life and accomplish whatever you want and if you love something so much and you're passionate about something and you're driven so much with that nothing is going to get in your way uh everything will just seem like a little tiny speed bump you know just be true to yourself uh surround yourself people that are encouraging ignore the naysayers ignore the negativity just keep going and push yourself and like i said yachting is just an example do anything or be anything that you want to be and don't let anybody get in your way of it just don't be mean extra (laughs) special retaliate if you got to but just you know be a nice dick
2: chef rachel hargrove thank you so much for joining us from your current job you're out on the boat right now thank you for making the time and finding the wi-fi for us Thank you so much
3: for, for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it.
1: Before we head out, we want to give some recommendations. Shayna, what are you loving right now?
2: I had such a hard time with this one because I feel like all the stuff that I'm consuming right now has been out for forever because I'm just behind on everything. So I'm going to be weird and commercialist. But there's a reason for it. So I'm recommending Spotify, and here's why. Not that they need my recommendation by any means. They're doing fine. However, if you have a parent like I do who loves music, but, you know, there's not really CD players anymore, and he finally got himself a smartphone and wants to be able to listen to music while he's doing things, Spotify is great. I was very excited. I was able to, over the past couple days, hook my dad up with Spotify on his new fancy smartphone, and he is loving it. He is listening to his Van Morrison and his Eagles and his Beach Boys. Plus, I was able to get him subscribed to the Waves, so now he can hear me. (laughs) Whenever I'm on the show and get all of his feminist content, he is very excited about it. Uh, so right now, I'm I'm very much uh, enjoying Spotify and their ease of use.
1: <laughs> I have tried so many times to explain to my parents how to listen to podcasts they've got. <laughs> I think that they still have an iPod that they bring in their car to listen to music that has iTunes on it. So that works. But then they're like, wait. Why can't I get my podcast on this? And I'm like, because it's not connected to the Internet. You need to do that on your phone. So very much endorse the idea of just setting up your parents with one thing that they could just use for all of the things. He's thrilled. He's got his
2: music. He's got his podcast. And if there are podcasts out there that our listeners recommend for, you know, Midwestern guys in their
1: I'm for not going to say how
2: dad would he, for my dad. If <laughs> there you go. If our listeners have recommendations for my dad on other podcasts, he should be listening to, please shoot us an email. I would love to forward them to him.
1: <laughs> that would be very fun. Um, so I totally feel you on the like behind on TV. What is the new thing to recommend? But I just decided to go for it anyway. I finally started watching "I May Destroy You," the HBO series, uh, this week, and I wanted to recommend it, but I also wanted to. To say that I had always heard like Willa Paskin, our TV critic, had always been so adamant about how good it was. Like she talks all the time about how it's been locked out of awards and should be winning everything. and It isn't. And I knew that and I knew that it's supposed to be amazing. But I, the, also the main thing that I knew about it was like, it's a story about a woman tracing back a uh, rape. And so for such a long time, I was like, Ugh, like, okay, do I need this right now? Like, like I just was a little bit hesitant about it. And I just really felt like, okay, I'm gonna watch this when I'm in the right mindset for it. And I started watching it this week. I'm only a couple episodes in, honestly, but I needed to recommend it because it's such a refreshing and different approach to a sexual assault story and i just wanted to say to our listeners that if you were like me and you were like i know that i'm supposed to watch this show and i know that it's supposed to be really good but like i just don't know if i need this specific thing it is not what you're anticipating it's so different than anything i've ever watched before and i love it for that reason and i think it's so smart and i am just a really huge fan and i highly recommend you taking the leap and watching it if that has been holding you back
2: this one in like Mayor of Easttown. I'm like, I would like to watch these shows, but I don't know that I can handle more people being raped or children being abducted or I, mean, I, I don't know how much more of this stuff I can handle right it's now. It's all so life. much.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of it out there. I haven't done Mayor of Easttown either. So if you start that one, you have to let me know if it's, okay. <laughs> if it's safe to proceed. <laughs> OK.
2: I mean, it's not. I know it's right. not safe to proceed. It's just it, like you said, right mindset. I'm still waiting to get into those into the mindset for those shows.
1: Yeah. Well, when when you're there, I'm here to discuss it with you (laughs) because everybody else has already watched it, discussed it, moved on. (laughs) We'll have to see. That's our show for this week. The Waves is produced by Shana Roth.
2: Susan Matthews is our editorial director, with June Thomas providing oversight
1: and moral support. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And please consider supporting the show by joining Slate Plus. Members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast and bonus content for shows like this one. It's only $1 for the first month. To learn more, go to slate.com slash thewavesplus.
2: We'd also love to hear from you. Email us at thewavesslake.com. At and we would actually love it if you would send us your questions. I have a little holiday surprise for everybody early. This year, at the end of the year, we're going to be doing two reunion episodes with our original hosts from even back when it was Double X Gab Fest and the Waves. We're going to have one round with Nicole Perkins, Christina Cotterucci, and Marsha Chatlin, and another round with june thomas noreen malone and hannah rosen so if you have questions for them we would love to get them please email us at thewaves@slate.com.
1: at the waves will be back next week different hosts different topics same time and place
0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel, and a sitting state Supreme Court justice